RPC Radio. Radio. Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered. Welcome to the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode... I would encourage everybody to join the insurance industry. I think it is the unsung hero of our economy. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner in the law firm RPC, and in each episode I'm joined by a guest and we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week our guest is Hannah Gerger, and we're going to discuss her role as Director General of the Association of British Insurers. Hannah has taken a circuitous route into the insurance world. She started as a civil servant, including stints at the Ministry of Defence and in the Cabinet Office. Then, over a 10-year period from 2012, she was Head of European Affairs at ICAP, then Head of Global Regulatory Strategy and Government Relations at the London Stock Exchange, then Group Chief of Staff at LCH, the clearinghouse linked to the Stock Exchange, and finally Chief of Staff at UK Finance the trade body for the banking and finance industry. Then, in February 2022, she was appointed the Director General of the Association of British Insurers, which is what we're going to discuss today. So, Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, as we've seen from your CV, uh, you've had an amazing career with the civil service, the stock exchange and within the banking industry. So, What was it that tempted you in 2022 into the insurance world? Often I've heard insurance described as a career that people fall into. But in my case, Peter, it was a career I consciously chose to get involved in because I really believe that insurance and long-term savings underpins our society and our economy. And I thought the experience and skills I'd been able to develop over my time spent in the civil service, predominantly in the Treasury, but subsequently in financial services, meant that I could make a difference for the members of the ABI and ultimately for their customers. Brilliant. And we're going to talk today about your role as Director General of the ABI. So obviously that's the Association of British Insurers, for anyone who doesn't know. What it is that keeps you awake at night, kind of what you're excited by, what it is that you believe that you can achieve, what your vision for the future is and how insurance fits into that. Um, but first, I mean, we, we probably should ask just to give a, a, a swift overview of the ABI. What is it? What does it do? And, and what is its raison d'etre? The ABI is a trade association. And in our case, we represent the UK's insurance and long-term savings industry. The ABI represents about 300 firms across our membership, and they cover most household names as well as some specialist providers. On behalf of our members, the ABI engages closely with policymakers, with parliamentarians, regulators and consumer groups to help deliver that purpose and ensure that by working together, our industry can be trusted by its customers, that we are recognised as being large-scale institutional investors who are investing for the future success of communities across the country, and also working together to ensure that the The regulatory framework in the UK is one that allows our industry to drive growth and innovation. And um, this is not the first time that we've uh, talked about the ABI um, on on the podcast. Um, Back in early 2022, 
Seth Williams came on to talk about what the ABI did, uh, which, as I recall, was in that sort of interregnum period between the previous Director General and, and your arrival. In other words, if any listeners are wanting just a, a sort of a general background on the ABI, please listen to that episode um, because you know, you'll get what you want with that episode. Whereas in the, this episode, we're going to go into a little bit more of a deep dive um, into the role of the Director General uh, and the, the strategy for the future. Um, but first, and <laughs> and uh, perhaps a rather trivial question, Hannah, um, why is it Director General and not Chief Executive or chair or something else like that? You are not the only person to have asked that question, Peter. As I understand it, director general is a term that's often used for not-for-profits and the ABI is a not-for-profit. I'm interested though, what do you think the difference is and does it matter? (laughs) I know that director general is, the BBC is a director general, isn't it? Because Terry Wogan always used to kind of refer pejoratively to the DG um, so I, is that your nickname within the ABI? Are you the DG? I don't know if that's what they call me. I wouldn't <laughs> mind if they call me the DG. It's, it's close enough to my own own initials as HG. <laughs> um, uh, when you became DG, um, h- how did you get up to speed with insurance? I mean, from what, from what you're saying earlier on, because of your involvement with the finance sector as a whole, you obviously already had a good feel for insurance. But Coming into a new industry, there's new jargon to learn, there's new approaches, there's new hierarchies, there's new prejudices that each each new industry has. So how did you get up to speed? Let me put it this way. The moment I learned that within three weeks of starting the job, I would be delivering a keynote speech at the ABI's annual dinner to approximately 200, 250 CEOs of all my members. Um, that was the point at which I started drinking from the fire hose, and I really <laughs> haven't stopped. Um, if anyone tells you they know everything about insurance, they're simply not keeping abreast of all the developments because insurance is an industry that really does have to keep moving with the times. But in terms of practical steps that I took, I listened to podcasts such as yours. I received lots of briefing from my colleagues at the ABI that was to help me get up to speed as I came into the job. But what I was very focused on in my first year was really engaging with the members because I was new to the industry and I needed to get to know them, but also to understand their priorities. Because I think a trade association has an important role for its members by exercising its convening power, whether that is convening political and regulatory stakeholders, but also sometimes bringing together commercial actors to see how might we be able to help progress industry solutions. And how is the governance of the ABI organised? You, There's presumably a, a, a board that, that you head up, um, but how many people sit on that board? How often do you meet? And kind of what range of skills do the, the various people on the board have? Our board is chaired by an independent chair, Baroness Nikki Morgan, and that was a change to the ABI's governance that was introduced towards the end of 2021. So we have an independent chair and we also have another independent non-exec director, Baroness Diane Hayter. So we have both a Conservative and a Labour perspective on the board. Um, Otherwise, we are composed of chief executives from across our membership. We meet four times a year alongside two strategy sessions. Alongside the board, as you would expect in other types of organisation, we have our audit and risk committee. We have our appointments and remuneration committee, 
But importantly, as a trade association, we have our member committees. So we have three of those. We have our general insurance committee, our long-term savings committee, and our health and protection committee. So another change that was introduced at the point we uh, brought Nikki and Diane on board was creating a consumer committee. So that sums up our governance at a high level. But as a trade body, we do have lots of other working groups focusing on very specific issues, all of which are important to the members. And we strive to make sure that we are on top of all the detail that matters to them, whether it's uh, our pet insurance committee, a travel insurance committee, whatever it might be, focusing on the priorities that matter most to the firms. Brilliant. A pet insurance committee. Well, it might be a working group, Peter, because we, we, are, we are actually going through a review at the moment of our nomenclature of the different groups. <laughs> so working groups rather than committees, is that is that the way it's looking as though it's going to go, without prejudging it, obviously? I couldn't tell you because I haven't had the final report put in front of me yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, a, a year ago, um, you, you launched uh, a three-year strategy for the ABI. And at the time, I heard you state that the strategy put, and I quote, Customers, society, and protecting our planet at the heart of our work. Uh, so let, let's discuss those in turn. So first and foremost, customers. Who do you mean when you talk about customers? Because obviously, as a trade body, the trade body's customers might be the insurers, or is it the insureds, or is it who is it? And in what ways are these customers central to the ABI strategy? You ask a good question. Who is the customer that we're talking about? Because for a trade association, our members are our customers. But in the context of our strategy, we're really talking about the customers of our members, whether they're individuals or maybe SMEs or corporates. That, that's who we're talking about in our strategy. And our work, as I've described, is many and varied. But customers really are at the heart of all that we do. And I've mentioned the consumer committee, but alongside that, we also created a consumer advisory group. This is composed of representatives from different consumer groups to help us understand their perspectives and explore how we might work together in the interests of customers. And to give you one example of where we've been able to make a difference through the consumer advisory group, one of the participating members is Fairer Finance, led by James Daly. And last year, we partnered with Fairer Finance to develop a toolkit to support our members with clear communications to customers. So that's just one way that we're looking to ensure that we've got customers at the heart of what we do. To give you another example, cyber is something that keeps me awake at night. You asked what keeps me awake at night. I do worry a lot about cyber risk. And I feel as an industry, we've got a really important role to play. So we developed a cyber safety tool, which is intended to help SMEs navigate the growing cyber risk by providing them with practical guidance once they've completed it. It tells them these are some of the steps that you can take. And then I can't not mention the work of the ABI in response to major incidents. It's very interesting for me when I go and talk to different stakeholders, quite a number of them aren't aware of the role that we play in the event of storms or flooding. In that situation, we do make sure that we're providing guidance both through our website, but also through broadcast media and contacting MPs so that they understand what support the industry can provide to customers who've been affected. And that's brilliant. And you mentioned James Daly there, and he was a, a guest on the podcast way, way back, actually, I think in, in our first year. So, yeah, a very impressive individual. So I'm delighted that you're sort of working with him. Um, so that's customers. The second element of uh, your strategy is society. Now, 
What do you mean when you say that society is central to the ABI's strategy? Are you saying that insurance is central to society or that society is central to insurance or a bit of both or perhaps a lot of neither? (laughs) This is where I can sell you're a lawyer, Peter. (laughs) I would say it's a bit of both. Really, if you think about insurance, it's vital to the economy and to the security of everyday life. Homeowners and motorists have the confidence to go about their daily lives because they know that if disaster strikes, they'll be covered. And as an industry, every day we pay around about £38 million in property and motor insurance claims. So I think those are some of the ways in which we as an industry support society. If I think about our long-term savings members, they are responsible for over £1.5 trillion in assets. These firms really are the guardians of our financial future, managing the pensions of more than 18 million people. So these are some of the ways in which I believe our industry is central to society. And it's interesting, though, that you mentioned the long-term savings, because uh, I guess if people are unfamiliar with what the ABI does, they might not realise that that's part of your remit. They might think it's just yeah, it's just related to motor insurance or property insurance or or whatever. It covers long-term savings as well, doesn't it? It does. In fact, that in terms of money, that must be the the larger part of your members must be long-term savings, wasn't it? Because because of the amount of money that they hold. We have around about three hundred members, and they are diverse businesses. Some of them are GI, some of them are composite, some of them are focused squarely on the savings side. What we try to do is make sure that we have a balance of interest. And at the board level, we're always talking about the strategic issues that affect the industry as a whole, things like talent and skills. In this year, we're going to have a big focus on the arrangements that we need to put in place as we come into a general election as a trade association. You would expect us to be doing that, making sure that we're engaging with all political parties. So we've got a broad range of interests across our membership. And it's important that we do make sure that we are communicating the diversity of business that we represent. To give you an example of uh, a campaign that we've been running now in its second year with the Pensions and Lifetime Savings Association, Pension Attention, that has had a huge cut through. Do you remember the campaign, Peter? Have you seen the campaign? I I apologise, but I don't think I have. I will have to rectify that after this. I will have to make sure that I send you some links. But we, we launched that last year to raise awareness of the importance of engaging with your pension. And we partnered with Big Zoo, who is a grime artist, and he did a pensions wrap. And this year, we had an ambassador change to someone who you might recall, um, which is Timmy Mallet. <laughs> so, so hang on a moment. We you, are the demographic you, you... that we're trying to target <laughs> in the second year, so, the second year of the campaign. So, so you go from grime artists to to Timmy Mallet. So that's uh, yeah. I have to say that's that's. I have seen the Timmy Mallet one. You have. So you have seen it. But what what's great about that is that the campaign this year, uh, because we track the impact it's had, one in four UK adults recall the campaign. Of them, nine out of ten have gone on to do something with their pension as a consequence. So that is a, a great example of how collective action at the industry level can really make a difference. And now the third element of the strategy that you mentioned a year ago was protecting the planet. Uh, so we have customers, society and protecting the planet. Now, kind of that's an issue that we've discussed a lot on the podcast, um, partly because you know it, it is something which is very close to my heart as a nature lover. 
So please talk us through your, your views on that and, and why you chose that to be the third limb of your strategy. As an industry, we are uniquely positioned to support efforts to increase our resilience to a changing climate. Why do I say that? General insurers are already on the front line. We're paying out claims to major weather events. We're helping customers adapt through initiatives like Flood Re's Build Back Better. The insurance industry also has the risk assessment and the risk management expertise to be able to help manage not only its own exposures, but also to support others with their risk reduction. And then the role of the industry as institutional investors is as important because the industry has the potential to boost the funding needed to support the UK's transition to net zero. And we believe that our members will be able to invest 100 billion in green and good projects over the next 10 years. To support that, we have mobilised an investment delivery forum. The forum is chaired by Nikki Morgan. It's supported by a panel of expert advisors to help us drive and track that 100 billion funding into relevant projects across the UK. So we've got a very important role as investor, but already the general insurers are on the front line supporting customers as they deal with the many storms that we've experienced in the past few months. So that's talking about investment and uh, talking about ensuring the consequences of climate change. And I suppose there's also the, the ensuring the transition element of it as well. But do you think there's a negative side to it? I mean, should insurers continue to insure fossil fuel companies, for example? The ABI launched a climate change roadmap back in 2021. And this sets out the actions that firms can take, including how they can reduce their own emissions to meet the 2050 deadline. We run an annual climate summit. We report back on progress against that roadmap. And we really are committed to doing what we can to support the transition to a green economy. You mentioned nature earlier. You may have seen last year we launched our guide to action on nature to help firms become nature positive and tackle the UK's nature decline. So this is an area that I know that our members are very focused on and we really want to do all that we can to help support society, support customers while moving towards the green economy and enabling people to make choices as customers, whether that's through their insurance product, perhaps they have had damage to their car, giving them the choice about replacing with a recycled part rather than a new part, or as savers, giving them the choice about sustainable investments. And you uh, announced this strategy a year ago. It's a three-year strategy. So you're one year in, you're one third of the way through the strategy. Now, what progress do you feel that you've made on uh, achieving your strategic goals? I think we've made good progress. I've talked about some of the outputs that we delivered over the past year, our Fairer Finance Toolkit. Alongside that, we also worked to develop uh, another campaign. This focused on explaining the cost of motor insurance cover. Motor insurance is something that many people are very focused on in the current economic environment. And we wanted to help explain what goes into the cost of motor insurance cover. And we worked with our consumer advisory group to get their feedback on that campaign. It was an animation. And I'm pleased to say that that's actually had a positive impact. We've seen customer understanding increase by 5% on the back of an animation called Dad Comes Home that's had over 1 million views. So that's a start, but we need to do more. And that's why it's a three-year strategy. Last year, we also held our DEI summit and that builds on the DEI blueprint that we launched back in the autumn of 2022. 
that's pretty ambitious, I would say, as an industry. Um, we decided that our vision was to become the most diverse, equitable and inclusive sector of the UK economy. That's a big goal and it will probably take longer than three years to achieve that, but we are making progress. So I think good work so far, but more to do and it will extend beyond 2025. Um, and over the course of the last year, kind of this is based solely on uh, photographs and posts that you've done on LinkedIn, um, you, but you seem to have been everywhere Um Northern Ireland, uh, Liverpool, Manchester, Cardiff, but further afield, you have Paris, uh, Gibraltar and and Bermuda, of course, uh, and I suspect many other places that didn't make it to LinkedIn. But presumably you think that this is a, an important part of your role as, as Director General is, is being seen, is being out and about. Our members have operations and customers across the UK and beyond. Many of our members are headquartered outside of the UK. So it's important to me that we understand their priorities, understand their businesses and engage where it makes sense for us to do so. And I do like to meet as many people as I can in person. Gibraltar is really interesting. More than 30% of UK motor insurance policies are now written in Gibraltar. And we have a number of uh, members who are based in Gibraltar. So again, it's important for me to go there to meet with the members, but also to meet with the regulator locally and with the relevant minister. And we do look to engage with them when they also hold events in the UK. So I feel it's important we represent our members both at home and abroad, not least because our industry needs to be playing an active role in the many global challenges that we collectively face. Yeah, I, I, I've been looking into Gibraltar. Actually, I want to do an episode on Gibraltar because there's a lot more insurance there than one might imagine the case to be. So it's a fascinating little enclave. So the insurers in Gibraltar are your are ABI members, are they? We have some members based in Gibraltar and we engage with them regularly, but we do like to go to visit them. For me, at least once a year and for the team that leads that engagement, it will be a couple of times a year. Okay. And if Gibraltar has members in the ABI, does that mean that places like the British Virgin Islands and I'm thinking on your behalf? <laughs> I don't think the British Virgin Islands, but we do have members that have operations and services in Bermuda, which is in part why I went to Bermuda last year. We engage with many other trade associations in other jurisdictions and ABIA, the Association of Bermuda Insurers and Reinsurers, has been a a long-standing partner of the ABI. And this was an opportunity for us to deepen that relationship and sign a memorandum of understanding that focused on exploring ways in which we might collaborate more on cyber, on climate, and also on talent and skills. Paris, you mentioned, that engagement reflects the ABI's participation in Insurance Europe. Insurance Europe is a federation of insurance trade associations from across the EU. So we may, as a UK, no longer be a member of the European Union, but ABI members do still have an interest in what is happening on the continent. So we are actively engaged with Insurance Europe, and I'm a member of their exco, so I visit them for their meetings and for their conferences, which are quite often in continental Europe, although we do try and do some meetings virtually. Brilliant. And... Um... I'm an introvert. So all this talk of 
meeting people kind of week in, week out, scattered around the world sounds like a, a, a nightmare to me. Is that the sort of thing that you enjoy? Are you a natural extrovert or this whole meeting people aspect of the role? How, how is it for you? I would describe myself as a professional extrovert. What became clear to me when I joined the ABI was that the members needed me to act as an ambassador on behalf of the sector, whether that was representing them in engagement with stakeholders in the UK or engaging internationally. So it's something that I feel is a necessary part of my role. I think it's a privilege for me to be able to do that. And I enjoy it. Having said that, I do also enjoy my downtime at home, which is my opportunity to recharge and take a breath because sometimes the pace of engagement and travel can be a little more ambitious than <laughs> I might have anticipated at the time when I agree to go to some of these events. So, so what, what do you do to recharge then? I have a dog. If you've been looking at my LinkedIn post, you may have seen have my dog Truffle. Truffle. Yes, Truffle yeah. features there. So I, I like to walk my dog. I enjoy gardening. I have absolutely no talent as a gardener, but I'm full of enthusiasm and I I like to watch Monty Dawn and, and think that maybe one day the soil in my garden will be quite as nice as his. Um, but no, I like to spend time in nature because I find that a really wonderful way to recharge. And I'm fortunate enough that I do live in the countryside so I can go for country walks. And when the weather's a bit better than it has been, go for a couple of runs. Not with the dog, though. She's definitely a, a walker, not a runner. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, Monty Don's soil is, is truly exceptional. It is, isn't it? And he's always run, but my soil doesn't run through my fingers like that. No, no. Anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. Uh, <laughs> what other issues uh, are on your radar at the moment, Hannah? I mean, I see that you've recently written something about artificial intelligence, um, which is obviously a hot topic at the moment. Uh, you've already mentioned uh, diversity uh, and inclusion uh, and talents and skills. Um, but, but sort of going back to AI particularly, are, are you an AI optimist or an AI pessimist? Well, anyone who knows me will tell you that by nature I'm an optimist. But most people of my generation will have watched Terminator 2. So I'm not going to be arguing for our national defence system to be handed over to AI <laughs> anytime soon. Um, having said that, I think that AI does have the potential to transform the insurance industry. And I'm keen that as the ABI, we explore ways in which we can facilitate our industry to explore its potential, but to do so in a way that's responsible. We recently hosted an event for members on responsible AI, and that looked at the UK government's five principles for responsible AI innovation and how firms might go about implementing these. As part of that, we are committed to developing some principles or a toolkit, not quite sure what we'll call it yet, but we want to produce a document that will help firms put these principles into practice. Another issue I mentioned was cyber, and I think this is something that will be an increasing focus for us over the course of 2024. We already know that, that globally, cyber crime costs around about £4 trillion. That's almost twice the entire GDP of the United Kingdom. And in 2022, about a third of all businesses reported a cyber crime in the UK. So it's important that we find ways to tackle this. And I do feel that insurance has an important role to play. We mobilised uh, towards the end of last year, a cyber working group in partnership with Lloyds of London to explore some of these issues. So that will be a continuing area of focus for us as well. And two years into your tenure as uh, Director General, 
How do you think it's going? I mean, what mark would you give yourself out of 10, Anna? I would never give myself a mark out of 10, but I would ask my members, how do they feel that I'm doing? And here I would look at our member survey. We ran it in the autumn last year, and that came out with a result of 89% of members are satisfied or very satisfied with the ABI. So I think that's pretty good, but there's also some room for improvement, which I'll be making sure um, we work to achieve over the course of 2024. Brilliant. And finally, Hannah, uh, what would you say to someone who was looking for a career and uh, how would you convince them that uh, insurance was the one for them? Insurance is purpose-led. If you want to make a difference to society, to families, to businesses, whether that is through the legal profession, marketing, underwriting, finance, whatever it might be, there will be an opportunity for you to perform that profession within the insurance sector. I would encourage everybody to join the insurance industry. I think it is the unsung hero of our economy. I know that Bruce Carnegie Brown talked about the industry hiding its light under a bushel, and I really do believe that. There's an opportunity for us to make the case, to young people particularly, that insurance matters and that you can have a fulfilling career that could take you all across the world doing many different types of role while making a difference in a positive way to society, families and communities. Thank you, Hannah. That was wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. RPC Radio. Radio. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered, which is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you enjoyed this podcast, you'll also love our other RPC podcasts, Taxing Matters, Money Covered and The Work Couch. Thank you once again for listening and I hope you have a great day.